calamity, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And Rubin's son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing. This is episode number 17. Let's just call it 17. And we are doing an interview podcast today. I'm Peter Wilco Wilkinson, joined by Braden Martin, the owner of some sexy new pedals. But we will talk about that <laughs> later. But I'm really talking about we're joined by Stig Gaming. How are you going, mate? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How how it, it's it's a pleasure to be here. I I found you through Daniel. And I've been checking out your podcast. I love it, guys. It's awesome. Oh, thank what you. would you do? Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry that you know Daniel. Uh, that that is a real <laughs> problem, but you know, there's nothing we can do about that. But uh, yeah, so Daniel Gray put us onto you, and you and and you sort of I, I I harassed his stream the other day, and you said you were keen. So why not? Let's do it. Well, um, American time zones meet up with school holidays in Australia. Let's record one straight away. But let's get straight into it. Let explain to our listeners who you are, Stig. Um, well, I am, my name's Greg. Um, I, I have worked for NASCAR teams. Um, I live in Northern Kentucky in the USA, obviously. Um, I've lived here my whole life. Um, right now I'm currently a work at home dispatcher for a trucking company, but more importantly, I'm a streamer and I love streaming and it's so much fun. Uh, I just love meeting people like uh, like you guys. Um, Excellent. It is, yeah, it is good mean, fun, like especially with um, different communities, especially like you, you've obviously found all over the world, you get people from all over the world just, just popping in to say hello, and then all of a sudden you find three weeks later they they hear everything. Like what what's that kind of like? Oh, that it, that is probably the most rewarding part of it. I love that interaction with people, you know, halfway around the world, you know, um, like, you know, take exa- example, Daniel, um, we're, it, it's kind of scary. You know, we're, we're almost like brothers in a way and, 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 and without streaming, that would have never happened. Um, funny story, how, how we met, um, it was, it, it was through a random raid after a stream of mine one night and, um, found this streamer that said, uh, uh, he was the most handsome and talented <laughs> eye racer. Don't Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I got to raid this guy. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I've met a lot of people that way and it's, 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 it's super rewarding and I love it. I would, this, it's my favorite part. I do want to get into Twitch streaming later on, but I, I want to push mm-hmm. that to the back of the podcast. Cause there's, there's more important yeah. stuff to talk about for you because you've got some really cool and interesting stories in your life that we want to get to. But first I want to start with, um, what, what was your first game? Like you, you've been a gamer for a while. What was the first games you remember playing? And oh when? man, uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna date myself. I, thank you for asking me this. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna show how old I am. But yep, the first game I remember playing was Asteroids for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Yep, I mean nice. that Pitfall Harry. I mean you all the old Atari classics. I mean that that's where I started. Did you have an affinity? Did you ever get to pit stop and things like that and go, wow, this is cool. This is the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, move, well, I mean, moving beyond the 2600, one yep. of the next games that really um, I, I got into was the, the original Indy 500 by Papyrus. Um, yep. Wow. That was, that was the one that kind of hooked me into sim racing. And, that, and you know, that's... That would have been what ninety three? Is that right? Ninety three? I think that when that came out. 
No one will fact um, check you. It's okay. Yeah, I think it, it was it was early nineties, and it, does sound a bit uh, right. it you know having a computer lab at school was kind of new, so I would find you know I had a friend that would hand, you know he would copy the big floppy disks and he would he he gave me a copy of Indy five hundred and I took it to school and I was popping it into the computers at school playing it instead of doing the typing lessons <laughs> they had us doing you know. <laughs> Well, I reckon you probably got more out of it, obviously. So <laughs> that's the best way to do it. Honestly, we had um, year 11 and 12, the, the computer labs in the library. Someone put a copy of Doom into the, and, and <laughs> put it on one of the PCs. And then everyone's job, whenever they played it, was to copy and paste it, the whole folder into about seven or different locations. So when the teachers found it, they'd remove it. But then there'd be seven or eight different versions of it on the <laughs> in the in the network at any one point in time. So uh, and, and oh, back then it. they had... They had the security was you had to log in as a teacher to be able to do anything like that. But if you crossed out and pressed no, I don't want to log in as a teacher. I don't want to log in at all. It actually went to the back end uh, as a, as an admin anyway. So you could just do whatever you wanted yeah. in the background, and no one, no teachers had no idea what they were doing. So it was really good fun. Um, oh yeah. What what was your favorite game over all these years been? Probably NR two thousand three. Quite honestly, with all the mods and. I mean, that, that game's still going. I mean, there's still an active mod community for it. I mean, iRacing's great and, and and awesome. I love iRacing, but probably NR2003, that's what got me into online racing. And it didn't cost me a fortune in long distance fees to to race online by that time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, does sound like... I, look, I remember... I don't think I ever did the online racing back then, but um, mm-hmm. uh, look, uh, I definitely took my computer to a internet provider to get them to download the patch for the latest game that i wanted to get because it was 16 megabytes and my computer didn't <laughs> handle it back then oh wow yeah it was a big one um mech warrior i think it was uh but what what else yeah. did stig do when he was growing up besides gaming and and, and all this other stuff well it, i grew up on a farm so we were you know there was a lot going on um you know we were all you know we we, we raised cattle so there was always stuff going on on the farm, which was awesome. I loved it. Um, you know, I still try to get, you know, there's some friends of mine that still have farms that I, you know, through the summer I'll go and we'll, you know, we'll do stuff on the farm together and we have fun. Um, but growing up, you know, a lot of that, you know, riding ATVs, doing stuff like that. And, uh, you know, at about 13, I started racing dirt and, um, race circle track dirt and of course that was fun that was all funded by the farm the farm work paid for the the race car you know (laughs) i I would get paid and then everything i made i put back into the race car which was which was really awesome um but yeah i mean that that was a lot of my childhood was racing and farming and bombing around outside having fun you know before I throw you over to Braden, because I stole his questions before, I forgot there was a whole color scheme going on, so I just recolored it in the background. He's going to go next, but I want to ask: what was, what, how big was the farm in Kentucky growing up? Like, what, what are we talking? Little farms, big farms, massive farms? Um, for the area that I live in, it was it was kind of an average size, kind of a, but in the grand scheme of you know, like big ranches that are thousands of acres, it was like yeah. 150 acres. You know, it, it wasn't very big. Okay. What did you mainly farm or deal with on the on the farm? Um, we ra- we raised cattle, corn, yep. 
a lot of stuff like that. I mean, the, the area of Kentucky that I'm from, it's very hilly, very, there's a lot of ridges. And, and so all the farmland's kind of up on these ridges and um, it's not a lot of flat ground here. So yeah, it was just a lot of like corn, you know, sm- crops that you could use to kind of support the either beef or, you know, pork or what, whatever you were raising animal wise was yeah. kind of what we did. So how important was that to, to obviously what happened the rest of your, your career? Obviously, you said it started that motorsport, funding the motorsport driving. Was that the integral part? If you didn't grow up on that farm, you wouldn't have been able to do the motorsport stuff you, you end up doing in the track, down the track? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, without that, you know, because you get that, uh, you know, of course, you know, you, you have, you, you, you learn a lot of different things, you know, growing up on a farm you know, was, you know, like with, you know, kind of that self-sufficient making things out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, you know, you kind of get that, you know, I can weld this roll cage up, you know, I, I can build a roll cage for this car. Or, so, you know, without all that knowledge and of course, you know, having that, the, the facilities to do it, you know, have a barn or whatever that you, you work out of. Yeah. Without that, yeah. The, it, the, the driving never would have happened. Excellent. I will throw you over to Braden. <laughs> so I hold the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, that was that where the love for motorsport started. With the Dirk, was it Dirk? Was it karting, or was it in a in a like a modified car? Or no, it was it was a four cylinder uh, Chevrolet Chevette. Actually, was what I raced. There, there was a whole class for these cars. They're Chevette class. Okay, just little four four banger uh hatchbacks uh, and it was it was it was almost like a demolition derby on uh <laughs> on a round track i mean these cars were rough man they were they were beat up you know wire holding the fenders on you know <laughs> all you know it just rough stuff but it was so much fun and uh that yeah it was it was cool it was uh but then it been a that would have been a three-eighths mile uh dirt track yep so it was on a full-size dirt track was that mainly against people your age or all, all over the sort of oh, the spectrum? Yeah, all over the spectrum. I mean, they, there were guys, uh, they, there were guys that raced, uh, when we started, there, there were guys that had raced late models, but were into their sixties, you know, <laughs> had gotten out of it because of the money and, you know, they, they got these four cylinder cars, of course, you know, as was, as it is with every one of those classes, you know, money kind of took over and, you know, it only lasted probably six years, but uh, you know, man, it was a good six years. And, 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 and it, like I say, everybody raced in the beginning. It was old people, young, middle-aged. There were people that had higher class cars were putting their kids in the Chevettes and you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Did you have any success? Um, yeah, actually I did. Um, raced at a track and it's still there um in uh, peebles ohio brush creek motorsports complex uh one uh what was it nine straight features uh wow. before <laughs> before finally somebody uh basically took took me out <laughs> they, <Yeah>. they, <laughs> they tried to take out the car and uh that put me so i didn't win the track championship that year but but I won nine straight features. It was awesome. Dude, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive stuff for sure. At what point did you realize that you might actually be able to make a living out of motorsport? 
Well, it was it was kind of that then. I mean, I was what 13, 14 when I started racing Chevettes. So that was kind of was like, you know, when you're that age, everything's possible. You know, you you don't <laughs> you don't care. You're just yeah, I'll go do that, you know. So that was kind of, you know, the kind of the what kind of set my path, you know, through school. I took a lot of manufacturing classes and stuff like that and welding and different things. Things that would help, you know, and kind of set me up for college. Absolutely. So what was your first job uh, once you got more into the motorsport industry? Not so much as on the racing side anymore, but actually as uh, part of your job. So uh, the college I went to, uh, University of Northwestern Ohio, and, it, and it's still one of the best uh, motorsports colleges in America. When I was there, it, ju- it was just a starting program, but they had a deal, and I'll never forget it. They, they had a deal. They said, um, you join the motorsports club, and we will, they had a dirt track on campus, Lima Land, which is in iRacing. That track oh. was, is owned by University of Northwestern Ohio. Um, but you join the, you join the motorsports club and we'll go to the racetrack and we'll work the racetrack. We have a school modified that we put a driver in. Um, you know, we let some of the students race it. And so that, that started and, and they got involved with ARCA. And and then the big thing was, Hey, we can get free ARCA credentials and we'll send you to go find a job with an ARCA team as a volunteer. And that's when it happened. That was kind of the catalyst is, you know, I was like free ARCA credentials. Absolutely. You know, let's go. Um, so I hooked up with, um, Hickson motorsports in ARCA and, uh, it was the 23 car driven by Ron Cox at the time. And, um, I ended up there literally just helping push the car through tech. That was, that was my job. Get a, get a rag and some cleaner and clean the car in between, um, practices and before the race and help push the car through tech. That was my job. <laughs> wow. That's pretty incredible. What was it like being able to just go and basically watch and be a part of racing as basically part of your everyday college sort of, you know, study. It, That's pretty awesome. It, oh, oh man. It, the program they have up there is really awesome. And, and it's, and it's, when I went, it was so rudimentary. I mean, we were literally just like in a, just in a little metal building, you know, laying out stuff and, you know, had people, the instructors were great, but being able to do that on a daily basis and be involved and just learning about it and going to the dirt track and all the different things that, that made college fun amongst other things, you know, doing normal (laughs) college activities, but Hey, you know, that was the icing on the cake. (laughs) That's a pretty good icing on the cake. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, So, so how long did you study there before you sort of moved off and went into the ARCA side of things? Well, I, so I was there for two years. I mean, I, I I was in the associate's degree program there and after, you know, after that, I stayed with it with Hickson, um, purely because, I mean, honestly, I loved it. I did, you know, when I got to ARCA, I was kind of like, man, if this is, if this is it, um, I was perfectly fine with it. And I was, ma- he, he was, he was giving me like 50 bucks for gas, you know, to go to these races. And we were traveling all over. We were going to Pocono, 
Kansas, you know, we were traveling around quite a bit and all he could afford to pay was like 50 bucks. And that's what I made to go to the racetrack, but I did it. He paid for my credentials, of course, but, um, after school, but man, I mean, I was, I was, I was perfectly fine with it. That was great. And, and by staying involved in it, it, it opened up a lot of doors, uh, just from the networking. And that's, that's what got me into NASCAR. Yeah. So, so oh, sorry. No, okay. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, so from, from, from there, um, so for those that don't know, you both, uh, did some pit crew and spotting for in NASCAR and ARCA. Is that right? Yes. Uh, in ARCA, I did, I did some spotting for Joe Cooksey, um, when he drove for us, Ron, Ron drove the first year and the biggest part of the second year I worked for him. Um, the second year I worked for him, I was a front tire, I was the front tire carrier. So that was, that was kind of <laughs> my, my first experience carrying tires live during a race was at Daytona. And it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. Still, I stood on the wall with this tire and, and while I was in the pits, I didn't really think about what was going on, but you know, we're talking 2003. So NASCAR was really at its height. And, um, so I'm, I get up on the wall, they call a pit stop. I'm up on the wall. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I look up and I see this grandstand that just looks like it expand. It, it's, it, it just, the, the expanse is forever going both directions and it's full of people. And it's like there, every one of those people are looking at me and that's, I'm going to screw this up. <laughs> so that was kind of, uh, that, that was my introduction and the spotting stuff came a little later. Um, and, but that was also for Joe. And it, it actually happened the, the first, I think the first time I went up on the stand was it might've been gateway for practice and his brother normally spotted for him. So he, for whatever reason, didn't make it to the track on time. And I'm trying to remember how it worked, but it was like five minutes before practice. <laughs> they were like, uh, he's not here. We got to have a spotter to go up for practice. And I'm like, I'll go. And <laughs> They handed me a radio bag and said, run, they're going to close the, they're going to close the gate. You've got to get up on the, on the spotter stand. So they had to wait on pit road for me to get up on the spotter stand and check in with the ARCA official before he could even go out. So it was, it was kind of a rush thing. What age were you and, when that happened? Oh, I would have been, let's see. That would have been 2004. So I would have been 21. Wow. So at 21, you decided why not? Nothing, yeah. nothing could go wrong here. I'm just going to go spot. And oh, that yeah. was where it started. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know what that, you know how it is at that age. You just kind of, yeah, you're, you're indestructible and you don't care, you know. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Me now, would, they, I, would, I, would I just volunteer and be like, hey, will you, do you want to go over here and be the jack man for this car? Uh, you know, no. let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can, um, let's I was because I can understand the nerves as well because I can't imagine a, a, a grandstand full of packed NASCAR fans that are you know rooting for your car are probably the most forgiving <laughs> group of fans you could have if you do make a mistake whilst uh, doing the pit pit stop and you know chucking their team uh, back a, a little bit in the field. I can't imagine they're the most oh. uh, forgiving. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know, honestly, I mean, once it's kind of like that old, you know 
that old thing about, you know, you're nervous right up until it actually happens. Well, as soon as mm-hmm. the car was sliding into the pit box, I didn't even think it just, yeah, it's the butterflies instinct, and everything man. was gone. You just do it. Yeah. yeah. It's thinking about what can happen and what can, what could go wrong is what the problem is. Could you have picked a, you know, a less active track than Daytona to start <laughs> doing tires for the first time? Well, I, I would have liked to, but, uh, you know, Hey, the owner, the owner, look, the owner, the owner, um, bless him. His name is Wayne Hickson and he was, well, he still is. He's, he's still kicking around. Uh, he's been doing some health issues, but, uh, Man, he was he was a Marine in Vietnam. He was all about, you know, you're going right in the middle of the fire. We're going to see whether you sink or swim, you know. So Daytona it was. I was like, all right, cool. Well, <laughs> I didn't screw anything up. I, they, they, let, they let me keep doing it, you know. <laughs> How heavy is one of those tires? Um, Speedway tires, um, they're about 90 pounds, thereabouts. Not sure what that and you've, is. And you've got to put it right on the spot. And and obviously that spot is not known until the car physically comes to a spot, a stop. I exactly. Guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see a lot of them. Um, they'll have a, like a piece of orange tape. And yeah. why they put that there is to line up with one of the holes for the lugs. Yeah. And that's what you line up with a lug. And then, boom, you just pop it on, stud it every single time without having to. The, the thing is you don't want to rotate it because that costs time. So, boom, you just hit it. it it's just kind of happens you know so a question i want to jump in before and ask like obviously australia has vh supercars is their big thing if you go to one of the big mm-hmm. races it's chaos but it's nothing compared to motorsports in america like what's what's it like being inside looking out at how massive motorsports is uh, especially the oval racing over there in america um man it was it, it's it's fun it, it's just and, and it's amazing. I mean, it, it's not what it once was, uh, probably when I was in, it was at its height, but I mean, still to this day to go, it's, it's huge. I mean, and, and it's, and it's a bit intimidating, you know, like, like at Daytona for me, being on that inside, looking out, you're, there's so much pressure and you know, I was fortunate to do it so young. I didn't feel that pressure, I guess, you know, it was. I felt it later on once I had a family, you know, and a daughter and a wife and this, that, and the other, um, you know, and car payments and house payments, this, that, (laughs) you know, all that. I started feeling the pressure then, but, you know, as I have more appreciation for that now, probably than I did at the time. Um, so you, you start spotting, right? Mm -hmm. How long did you, how did, how long did that go for the whole spotting, uh, career? Well, you know, it, it happened that one time and, and, and I'll never forget Joe, you know, Joe pulled me off to the side. He was like, Hey, that was really good. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I was like, really? You know, I'm just a kid. I just, I just list, I just said things that I'd heard other spotters say when I'd been <laughs> at the racetrack, either as a fan, you know, listening on the, on the radio or, you know, I just tried to emulate what some of those guys did. And he was like, man, that's, that's really good. He was like, you know, when my brother's not here. I'd love to have you spot. And I'm like, cool. So I was kind of the backup spotter for, for a long time. And then, um, Joe left, um, I, you know, just being the grind of being gone. He was, he was in his forties then with two kids that were almost grown. So they were doing things. So we got, we were fortunate enough to have 
Dale Jarrett's son, Jason, come drive for us. And that was really the, that was kind of the, the start of the spotting. So I'm just trying to understand spotting itself. Like I, I, I completely know how important it is doing a few oval races on iRacing and just going, I don't know how close mm-hmm. I am to this car and then having someone sitting <laughs> with me but and, and actually tell me and, and tell me to get over and get closer and all that kind of stuff. But what's the most important skills for spotting do you, that you, do you think? Um, being, honestly, I think the biggest skill required when being a spotter is the ability to keep calm it you can't like if you start screaming and then one you've got a driver who's incredibly focused on what's going on now he's kind of freaking and you're freaking out and you're none of the information that you're trying to convey is getting across so i think really that's honestly the biggest skill is just that ability to keep calm and kind of keep your driver focused on what's going on so did um how big of a difference does it make now we know nascar drivers it's down to tenths of a second and things like that but how much of a difference is a really good spotter versus an ordinary spotter make in your eyes um they can be the difference between i mean if you if you wanted to put it into time i would say half a second i mean depending on you know what kind of spotter if you've got somebody but the main thing is a good spotter you know, is worth finishing the race. I mean, if you've got yeah. a terrible spotter, you know, that guy, if he's not able to, you know, kind of keep a driver focused, you know, the next thing you know, you've got a guy on the wall and, and you're, you're out of a $150,000 vehicle. Yeah. That doesn't sound <laughs> good at all. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, look, and how did you train those skills? Like I, 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 you'd say that you just picked up what you knew and, and you heard other people do, but like at, at once you get to that serious level where you're doing it day in, day out and he's, he's trusting, how did you hone those skills? Um, literally just watching races all, you know, and just being around it. And it just, for me, I mean, it just kind of came naturally, I guess, just because, and even still, kind of to this day i mean i kind of live eat breathe and sleep racing so if there's a race on i'm watching it and just watching what's going on with the cars and and i think and i think to some degree help what helped was driving at a young age being a driver too i could kind of relate a little bit so i think that that kind of helped um do you miss spotting at all oh yes I, i miss that I miss that way more than the pit crew stuff. Those, <laughs> those guys doing pit stops now, they're college athletes. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I'm just, I'm just an, an, an old farm boy from Kentucky. Yeah. Now they've got, you know, college athletes doing this stuff No, but I, I but I seriously miss the spotting. I, I would love, love, love to, to be a spotter again. That was just some of, and I still enjoy it and I still do it for Daniel too. So. Um, you know, it's kind of, I kind of help, helps, helps get my fix. Yeah, if anyone hasn't seen, uh, one of Daniel's streams with Stig, uh, spotting as well, please make sure you check it out. I, I remember the first one that I watched, I, I literally could have sat there and watched you do four or five races in a row. And I barely had an interest in oval racing at the time, but it was just, it was captivating to just listen to all the little intricate details that you, you wouldn't get and if you were just driving around by yourself, it was actually really, 
really impressive. That, um, that's probably the highest compliment I've ever been been given. I appreciate that seriously. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, it really it really was. Um, what were some of the best races that you were a part of when when you were spotting? Some of the best, probably. Um, man, I'm trying to think because I mean we were we were an underfunded team. The the team that I mostly spot, you know, that I did a lot of the spotting for. We were underfunded, so a lot of the races were just the races where everything went right, you know, we just, and we kind of got a good finish. We might've been a lap down or, or whatever, you know, but I, you know, there was a time at Talladega, we got to lead. That was probably some of the most fun. I mean, it happened through pit stops. It wasn't like we drove to the front, like Dale Earnhardt or anything <laughs> big, you know, but at, but after that pit stop for a glorious four or five laps, we were, the, we were in the lead and it was just, I, you know, a 20 something year old kid up here. And I'm like, uh, uh, well, you're in the lead. <laughs> Not much to tell you at the moment. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're leading. They're all behind you. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. There was uh, and then eventually it was like, okay, here, here come the fast cars. They're, they're coming outside. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I know. I'm just staying low. <laughs> uh, this was a question that, uh, I've been forced into asking. Uh, it was how does it feel to spot someone as amazing as Daniel Gray? That that I don't know who asked me to ask that question, but I, I was forced into it. That's all I could say. I have a sneaking suspicion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> spotting for Daniel is simultaneously one of the most fun and stressful things I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> He's, he. he but but it's but it's never but it's never not fun it's it's always a blast and i have a blast doing it even though i'm sure you've you know regular viewers of daniel stream will note i you know sometimes get a little stressed but it's <laughs> it, it's an interesting thing spotting for daniel daniel it's very interesting spotting for you thank you for asking that <laughs> i think um I think one of the things that always makes me laugh is the fact that sometimes he still thinks he knows better than you. <laughs> You'll be like, <laughs> oh, I know. Mm, no, I, th I really think we should come in for this pit stop or, you know, no, you need to take this line. It's going to save the tires. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. <laughs> and then lo and behold, you know, pit stop ruin, ruins his race or <laughs> all of a sudden uh -huh. his tires are wrecked. And you're like, uh, you're like, sometimes I could just, I can say all the, say it all I want, but he's still not going to listen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, um, you know about that pit stop? <laughs> He's like, I know, I know. I should have listened to you. <laughs> uh, how hard is it to concentrate while you're up up on the spotters um, sort of platform, and you know, with everything going on, are you are you close to the other spotters? Like, are they a distraction? Yeah, they're they're up there, but honestly, you're so focused on what's going on, you don't really pay attention. I mean, you know, they're there if they're in your way, they're a distraction, but usually a quick elbow will move them. So, you know, if guys leaning over the railing too far, you know, you kind of give him a quick elbow and he's like, Oh, and he back, he'll back up. But usually, I mean, generally you're so f just intensely focused on what's going on. Not a lot wanna, else pays. You, you don't pay attention yeah. to a lot. I want to quickly jump in. What kind of aids do you have as a spotter in real life at the track? Um, I've had, I've, I mean, like at Daytona or Talladega, you'll obviously, you, you'll have binoculars. But other than that, really nothing. Uh, you've got, 
usually your radio will have uh, two channels running simultaneously, one with the team and then one that you can listen to NASCAR with or ARCA or whoever the sanctioned body is. So that way you can hear when they're calling for a yellow or if they're trying to get you put in line, you know, they'll say, hey, spotter for the 23, you know, back of the line, you know, just stuff like that. So you do have that. But other than that, it's binoculars and the Mark One eyeball. <laughs> wow. Are you are you like how much time you spent looking at the car that you're running, and you know, as opposed to looking up ahead and you know trying to see what's happening happening above, and like when there's an accident, is it like are you just trying to make the best prediction of possible of where you should be telling them to go, or you know how how does it, that must be a lot of pressure? Like you get like you said, you get that wrong and say go low when you should have said go high and all of a sudden you know there's a hundred thousand dollars worth of damage oh it is yeah i mean you you know but you're kind of scanning kind of in front and back of the car all the time just on a mile and a half it's a little harder uh because everybody gets so spread out but generally if they're so spread out the driver will see the accident Hmm. as he's coming to it unless it's right on top of him so a lot of that especially it's the pack racing that's you're you're really kind of just scanning the pack the whole time because you know generally your driver's going to be in the line that he's in so you can keep that call uh you know if he's in the middle of a three wide which in i racing is terrifying but those guys do it <laughs> and they're just like on on a drive to the store you know in town you know they they don't care <laughs> but you can just keep that call but you're constantly scanning with your eyes to the back and front just in case there's trouble so it's kind of a having that peripheral vision to be able to just kind of keep an eye on things as it's going is, is really what you're using more than anything. If they had a heart rate wanted to hooked up to you, like what, what kind of beats per minute do you reckon you'd be hitting spotting, especially in the middle of a, like a three wide at Talladega? Um, in the model, you know, honestly, probably it wouldn't be that bad. It's generally when it's, when you see smoke, when you see smoke, yeah. that's when you get that spike and it feels like your head's going to explode. <laughs> you know, the blood pressure comes up. It's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And, and, and of course you're also, you know, like stuttering. You're like, you know, trying to make sure you're not stuttering car, car crash. Spinny things. Things are spinning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, First time somebody spun in front of a car, I, I, I stuttered till he was all the way by it. And he said, that's okay. He said, I knew you were trying to say it. I heard you. You're good. <laughs> Do the drivers or any of the drivers, I suppose you worked for, have they ever like had a big blow up or, you know, got, got really annoyed at making a wrong call or something like that? Or they're normally pretty calm and pretty good? Yeah. I never, I never experienced that. I mean, I know some, there have been some spotters, man, that would get absolutely chewed out, but I, I never, I never experienced that myself. I mean, we'd always, you know, there would be something where, uh, we would talk and be like, they, they would be like, Hey, you know, next time in this situation, let's, let's do da da da. But I always try to take that feedback. I've never been, um, one to avoid feedback or think I know better. So, and and I guess if the, if I was just going to say, I guess that relationship between spotter and driver is probably pretty important because, you know, they're effectively really trusting, trusting what you say. And if, if you don't sort of have that trust between each other, you're, there's almost no point you being up there. Oh, absolutely. Dude, that is so, yeah. If there's no chemistry, no, 
I mean, not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess, yeah, kind of friendship. You've got to have that, that trust, you know, from the driver to the spotter. I know he's going to do his best to keep me out of trouble. And if that driver loses that trust, um, yeah, usually it's a broken, it's kind of, it's kind of like a marriage. It's a broken marriage, mm. honestly. What, what are the most common mistakes that oval drivers sort of make? Um, and I guess you could relate that to iRacing as well, but you know, if there's people that are looking into running more ovals who maybe have not done it before, but what sort of things should they be looking out for? Back your corners up. I know you've heard that. If you watch Daniel's stream, <laughs> back your corners up. Don't charge the corners thinking there's banking and I can just plow down way deep into the corner, let off early, let the car roll. And you know, you can keep some throttle, but back off of that throttle from full throttle early, early, almost up on the straightaway. Most times back off on your entries and you'll save tires. You'll go faster and you'll pass them on exit, which is granted. It's probably not as fun to, you know, pass people on exit. I know Daniel hates it, but <laughs> pass, pass them on the exit where it's easy. Just, just make it look, make it look easy. All right. Did I was as long say, as I'm passing, I'm happy. As long as I'm passing someone, I'm happy. I sit there and I qualify last on purpose, and I sit yeah. back and I just I sit behind the last tire and I just lap until they they go in the pits or my tires come good. That's all I do. Absolutely, yeah. So Pete's just started running a oil series on Wednesday nights over here, and um, I think yeah. you've you've got okay considering what well, you've been on basically last on the lead lap both races so far. Is that right? Yeah, I've made some. I've made I make one silly mistake every race, and, and the first one was <laughs> oh. um, I pitted. I, I miscalculated fuel, had to pit, got speeding in pit lane, and then missed my bay, <laughs> uh, all in one one little concession. So succession, and then the second last week, uh, week before was just I, I just exited too too. Uh, didn't exit uh, narrow enough, and just the the front right whacked the wall, and um, oh. that was that was the end of the the like that took me halfway back on the lead lap. Um, but yeah, last week was was a good one. We had a bit of strategy, and we got up I think the thirteenth or tenth or something in the end. But it was a it was a mischievous little stuffed up race that we we, <laughs> we played the game and we got there in the end. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, look, I'm enjoying it, and 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 yeah, the the strategy is I I've literally qualified last of the people who set times every single time i don't know how to get faster at that but my tires just go for days so you know everyone, <laughs> everyone the... starts falling away and i go past them it's really good fun oh that's that and and i i would rather win a race that way than run fast every lap too that's that's to me is more fun <laughs> it definitely is and then i'll like and and everyone's pitted and i'm still out there on my fuel i'm like i've still got couple laps left people i'll come in i'll come in now let's yeah. see what happens yeah it's good fun <laughs> yeah let's just cruising cruising by him i love it uh this one was from uh ira one of the, uh, the leagues we run in who he runs and one of the locked on mm -hmm. discord members so he wanted to know what do quick drivers do better than the rest besides obviously the going fast like what kind of habits or techniques do they have that maybe the uh slower or less patient drivers don't have honestly they save tires they're able to go fast and save tires that's that's the trick is if you can't keep your tires under you um then what's the point yeah you can go out there and just bomb around and set fast time but if you've killed your tires in the first three laps then what's what's the use you know it's 
Yeah, I mean, that's what the, 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 the best drivers are able to still go fast, but keep their tires under them Absol- all day, every day. Um, so I need you to explain something to me. Like we, we, we were mm-hmm. part of podcasting when Indy, uh, the Indy 500 was on a couple of months ago now. When obviously we had some skin in the game with Scotty McLaughlin over there and there's a few Kiwis racing oh, yeah. around there as well. How does it last more than a week? I don't understand this, <laughs> this concept. <laughs> well, like a two week process. The, it used to be the month, the whole month of May. And as, of course, as technology and simulation has gotten better, they don't really need it now. I mean, they've kind of condensed it down to a a week. Week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because it was qualifying. I'm like, sweet, here we go. Getting a race this weekend. Excellent qualifying. And then they're like, okay, qualifying's still going three days later. (laughs) And the race will be next weekend. And I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. You don't do things in halves over there, do you? No, they, well, they used to, man, these guys would bring, I mean, they'd bring three or four cars and if one car wasn't fast enough, they'd pull another one out <laughs> day two. We're going to go qualify this car instead. That, that car's <laughs> junk. We, we wrecked it, whatever, <laughs> you know, they, they'd come up with some reason. And then day two, we'd take it, they'd take a new car, new engine package and they'd go do it again. But it's kind of sad to watch now because, you know, all that innovation of, you know, We've got these tricks we can put into this car um, for day three qualifying to to make sure we get in the field. It's kind of dead. Uh, when they show up at the track, it's kind of like Will Power. He kind of ran the same speed on final day as he did day one. He was just slow. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a Penske uh, car. It's pretty bad. It, it was rather surprising, but yeah, I, I didn't get to watch. I had to listen to most of the race, but it's just intriguing. The whole concept behind the Indy 500 and, and things like that. Yeah. And the, but the crowds you guys get are enormous as well. Like those stadiums are just built beautifully. But what's the biggest crash that you've seen while you're at the track? Any big, big monster ones? Oh, yeah, there's been plenty at Talladega. I'm, I'll never, <laughs> probably one of the biggest I remember. I think it was 2005. I ha- I have to think back on that. Um, either way, I know Paul Menard was involved in it. He was driving for Andy Petrie at the time. And I think it wiped out probably 15, 20 cars easy. I mean, it was, it was big. I mean, it, it, and, and Arca fields are usually a little smaller anyway, and it wiped out probably half the field it was crazy they the, they red flagged the race they were bringing cars in on the hook for an it wow. seemed like an hour we were already out we we, we blew an engine or something and yeah it, it went on for like an hour they were bringing <laughs> cars in on the hook it was like oh my god That's crazy. I, I i think honestly we've got another probably hour and a half to talk about this kind of stuff but we, we need to move yeah. on because we've got the twitch stuff to talk about let alone eye racing stuff to talk about which um and i wanted to even talk about gaming as a dad because i know you got the two kids as well but yeah. um just quickly on that like how do you find time what's what's your what's your secrets um i get the kids involved um my yeah. daughter's 13 my son's 11 gonna be 12 in october so i just get them involved you know they're they uh i've got a laptop that they can game on a little bit and we just kind of do it together as a family and that's that's when it's the most fun honestly um are they going to be getting them involved in it are they going to be doing iRacing soon or are they already doing that um my son's kind of tinkering with it i can't 
I, I'm a little hesitant to turn him loose on the general pop- population because <laughs> he's he's still pretty rough, but but he's getting there. Yeah, but he but yeah, my son wants to. My my daughter, she's she's kind of into other stuff as far as gaming, and 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 I'm good with that. I mean, she she tried it a little bit, and she was like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not really for me. Yeah, she's yeah. she's more into the arcadey stuff, uh, like Forza. She likes Forza. Yeah, new fours are coming out later on this year. She'll be happy with that. My oh, kids both yeah. sit there and play it. They they started going back and playing number three the other day just randomly. Um, oh wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah, they love it. They've put in more hours than me, and I think I I had it pre-launch and played it about a hundred hours before really? it even launched. Yeah, um, stream both oh, of them awesome. pre-launch it was so much fun. Um, let's get into Twitch. Mm-hmm. When did you start? When did you put, decide to press go live for the first time? Uh, that would have been 2018, honestly. And I, I mean, I didn't take it serious until uh, right around what well, had been around March of last year. Uh, but I started kind of dabbling with it in 2018. Uh, no face cam, no, no memes for channel points, no anything. It was just, I was just like, okay, if somebody wants to watch me play war thunder or world of warships with my buddies and here's kind of chatting on discord and i just push live it, it was very sporadic and then but yeah it didn't get serious until last year uh when i started really putting the effort in what made you um turn it on the first time um i just saw everybody else i you know i like to watch i, I was you know just a a guy browsing through twitch watching people People that were pretty good, you know, at, at World of Warships or War Thunder and just kind of watching them. And I said, you know, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe people want to watch it. So I just hit go live. I mean, I don't think, I honestly, I think the first three or four streams, they may have been like 30, 40 minutes long. I mean, they were a little short. And I literally was just, I didn't, I don't think I even had any kind of voice comms available for it. It was just me playing a game yeah. of course nobody watched but <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter to me that was a bit that was a big thing because um by nature i'm kind of socially awkward yep so you know that that was a big step to even just turn it on and let people see me play a game you know at that point 100 percent. i know a few people that are uh, similar situations and they've actually stopped because they they got too big and that that social awkwardness actually got too much for them because they all oh wow the anxiety of having that many people watching was like no nah, I can't do this anymore and you know really? the pressure and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's um I understand I there's heaps of people in our Discord that 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 are, are are like that so and it's very interesting I did warships for a, a hot little minute as well our Discord's actually just starting to get back into it now so <laughs> yeah. really really badly streamed World of Warships it was um good fun <laughs> um, so what's your setup at the moment how do you like what do you've got just uh obs a stamp one computer what if what do you how do you use the streaming um i'm well i was running a two stream setup i'm back to a one stream set or a one uh pc pc setup sorry about that um yeah i'm back to a one my other one has kind of it's on its last legs it's it's got parts in it from the first computer that i ever built so it's I think the motherboard's fried in it now, so I'm back to one. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a it's an RTX 2070 with a with an i7. I mean, it's it's solid setup, um, 16 gigs of RAM. Um, 
Yeah, I, I missed the two PC setup though. It was it was a little smoother, but um, I don't know. I've got something like seven screens, if, including my work <laughs> screens. I don't know if I don't I don't know if you've seen that. There, there's a picture floating around on Daniel's Discord somewhere of of the uh, seven screen setup. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I've got so I had five hooked up to the one PC, but it was a two PC setup, and I would have gone yeah. six, but my wife was going to kill me if I had gone the sixth <laughs> one. So yeah. and I easily could have had a seventh. No no, no question about that. I just got a forty three inch TV as one of the monitors, so I can split up things on that. So I understand. Completely. Oh yeah. My main yeah. screen's a fifty-five inch, and um, oh, is it? Yeah, I need to upgrade. it's. It's yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, it's it it's funny because it, it, you know there's been people that are like, hey, I want to add, I want to add a screen or two, and I'm like, dude, when you start, you won't stop. You get addicted to adding screens, you'll always find room for more. And they didn't That's believe it. me, and lo and behold, they've got four or five now. <laughs> Look, brought Braden, you up to four now. We'll, yeah, we'll four, and I just bought—I just bought a mount for my. Um, I have like an old iPhone that I've been meaning to sell for like, I th- like six, eight, nine months, and I, it's just been sitting in my drawer. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's time I actually repurpose this. So I bought a mount to yeah. attach it to my um, Club Sport uh, wheelbase so that I can run that as a dash <laughs> or as something else. Maybe I'll put Twitch chat on there or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, I was just like, awesome. uh, I need more, I need more things, yeah. more things to play I with. Literally, <laughs> I literally got a mount for my Samsung tablet, twelve inch, last Friday. So that's going to be money on my dedicated Facebook chat because uh, I yeah. can't get it anywhere else on my thing. So um, yeah, we're always adding. You never, never, ever stop. Uh, how oh, often no. does the things just go wrong uh, when before you go live or during going live with streaming? Well, it's 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 bad enough that I've got an entire scene set up for tech issues. <laughs> <laughs> that's got, a, that's got some fail flute action going on. And, and yeah, it's, I, I've got a whole scene for it now and a, a tech counter because tech fails me. It's yeah. The, 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 the chat it's, it, it doesn't even hurt chat anymore. I actually get more people when I have tech issues than I do yeah. when I'm actually just streaming. <laughs> I used to love, so I'd raid people that I knew and only if I knew them, I'd send my chat, it, okay, everyone, before we go in, go in and ask what's wrong with the audio. And just all of you keep on pamming, I can't hear it, no game audio, no game audio, and the stream would lose it. It was so, yeah. so fun. And they'd be sitting there going, oh, I'm sure I checked it, I'm sure I double-checked it, oh, it was, oh. and then, yeah, I'd come in and say, sorry, that was my fault, everything's fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it. so do that to Daniel one time. Just, um, <laughs> just uh, Perfect. Just yeah, oh, Daniel, what's going on? It's all wrong. Um, but look, obviously you get a lot out of Twitch streaming. Um, yeah. What? Shout out some of your your best members, and you know, like, what do you, have you met up with any of them in real life? Um, haven't yet. I mean, there's there's going to be COVID the, the has been a thing. Yeah. Yet. Yeah, we're going we 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 we'll probably try to organize something. Um, I mean, I've become. I mean, my stream's awesome. It's it's kind of a community. I mean, more of a community feel where, you know, we're all friends. I mean, everybody in chat, you know, love talking to them, love hanging out with them. And, you know, hopefully they feel the same way. I mean, they, they show up, either that or they show up for the abuse. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but man, I mean, you know, from Night Dragon, she's a mod. She was She was one of my earliest viewers. Uh, livid who you can't trust to say anything to anybody. He, he somehow made it the mod. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, there's just, it's, 
there's been a long list of people and 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 there a lot of them are still around and a lot of, you know the ones that that aren't that i haven't seen in a long time still pop by and some of the first subs that i ever had when i made affiliate and, and it's man it, it's it's a I've, I've got a i've got a hell of a community um you know a lot of of course there's a lot of flow back and forth between daniel's community and mine and it, it's been an absolute blessing to have made friends with them and and of course you know uh there is the uh big bathurst 1000 stig vacation extravaganza <laughs> that's going to take place probably not this year but okay well let us know that's going to happen i will make that happen as well um oh, we're 100%. doing we're doing i'm doing anyway and I'm, I'm telling anyone to come along is gold coast uh yeah. big finale so that'll be in, in december so we'll be doing a meetup there for sure so honestly i i 100 uh encourage you to do it as soon as you can we do packs every year um yeah and i've met met people that are that in the community from that and it's just an extension of it's as if you you've like the first time we've ever meet meet the people and it's just as if you've known them all your life you just sit there and just chat away as if you know, they're, they're your best friend from from years gone by. Um, it's Absolutely, such an yeah. unreal feeling. Like you get back and you go, that was the first time I actually face to face met that person. But we just talked for seven hours straight and drank, yeah, and chatted <laughs> and eat and whenever wherever. And it was just yeah, the best feeling in the world. So definitely get around it and doing that. Um, we haven't even asked you about your eye racing stuff, Braden. Do you want to ask him some <laughs> random eye racing questions? Well, I was just interested. What what are you racing on at the moment? What what um what gear do you run? Oh, wheel. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm I'm running literally just a T300 RS uh, Thrustmaster with the uh, Thrustmaster TLCM uh, pedals, the load cell pedals. Thrustmaster um, seems to be a lot more popular overseas. I I don't know if it's the pricing here. The pricing seems to be like really quite expensive. I think overseas it seems yeah. to be a bit more competitively priced. Honestly, the 300 RS you can get for not much more than a G29. Um, yeah. Literally, look. I mean, I'm talking like I got this 300 RS probably in November. Until then, I was still racing on the same Logitech Momo that I've had since 2000 or thereabouts. It was one of the first first like run black Momos, and I've still got it. It still works. I've, I've threatened to drag it out and beat <laughs> Daniel with it just because. I wouldn't be Do hard, it, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty basic. I don't, I, I, I want to move up. Um, I've got a, I've, I mean, I've got a, an, a, a, the, um, next level racing foldable rig, but it just doesn't work well with my Twitch setup or, I, or I would use it more. Yeah. And you run mostly oval racing, obviously. Well, yeah, I, I well, Okay let's let's back up so <laughs> i should run over racing mostly we'll, we'll, we'll go with that but i don't <laughs> because i'm not a smart man i run a lot of road and i'm not very good at it but i do it anyway because it's fun <laughs> any particular you get cars in- you've, you've enjoyed yeah. uh i love the gt3s uh which i'm going to be running the 24 hours of spa i, I love spa 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 is awesome um but i love the f1 cars i love the uh, mclaren yeah. I love running it, and if you, you can get, a, get into the race. dirt oval stuff, since that's where you started, yeah, I do. Um, and I'm not very good at it <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason. I'm not very good at it anymore. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't translate. 
I, I'm not sure. I I like it. I'm just man. There there are some guys. Honestly, out of all of the different segments of iRacing, I think the Dirt Oval guys are probably the the hardest core. I mean, they are the guys that do that. They will not race anything else, and they and they race one class and they race it well, and that's it. They don't touch anything else. It's crazy. They're, those guys are nuts. They're fast. <laughs> we've we've got world champion Alex Bergen on the podcast later on this week as well. So yeah, oh hey yeah 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 it's it's going to be uh pretty awesome just to have a chat with him about it. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll be one of those hardcore style peoples. That, so oh absolutely yeah. yeah. Um, what's your favorite car and track combo? Let's see. If I was, um, probably the Arca car at Charlotte, in. I got to say that's that that has changed a little bit. I do love the new next gen car. The new next gen car is fun, uh, but it used to be the Arca car at Charlotte. Now that and I don't know if it's a setup or what they've done to the physics, but it's so loose to drive. It's so crazy, oversteery. It's just it's it's difficult to drive. But man, um, yeah, that would have. I, I'll just leave that as my favorite. That. That's my all-time favorite out of all of and them. Pocono is my you... favorite track, but as a combination. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we got bad taste in our mouth from Pocono because we went there with our skips, uh, did the road track. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting race. Let's put it that way. Um, that was back when engines. I was terrible as well. Yeah, back <laughs> when I was – oh, hold on. I'm still terrible. It's all good. Um, what was your favorite track to uh, real, in real life to go to and, and spot a race? Um – to spot probably well any of the any of the mile and a halfs really um probably well probably my home track kentucky honestly that's my home track so kentucky speedway i I got i got to say that one that that's probably the second or third track i ever spotted was my home one so always good to go home definitely um oh yeah we better start wrapping this up we've had you for an hour um where can people find yourself? Um, that's the best way to go. Let's, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash stig underscore gaming. I'm also on Instagram, uh, Twitter, stig underscore gaming. Instagram, stig underscore gaming. Um, yeah, I don't post a lot on those, but you can definitely find me on Twitch, uh, especially with the new schedule coming up uh, with the job. I've got a new schedule, screaming schedule, and you can find that in my Discord, which you can find a link to that in my stream. Excellent. I was going to ask you when, what days do, are you streaming right now? Uh, right now, it's moved to a revolving kind of two-week thing. Um, so, like, if, if this, I know this is going to get a little wordy. You just asked for a simple schedule, and I'm going to have to explain <laughs> it. But, no, go for it. All um, good. Yeah. So, I'll be streaming. I'll be streaming this weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, then I will not stream again until Thursday and Friday. Then the next week, I'll stream Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. That makes sense. <laughs> that... We're just all processing what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, what, what, it, what do you normally stream, though? Is it always I, iRacing? iRacing, Forza. I do a lot. I, yeah. do, I do some Forza. I like to get the community together to do some Forza. Yeah, um, it's good fun with the, with a whole group yeah, of guys. Yeah, I mean that that's always a blast. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll be doing some F one twenty twenty one this week. Interesting. 
pumped for that. This weekend, I, we're probably yeah probably dive into that. I tried twenty twenty and I just couldn't get into it, but yeah, I don't know what it was. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the breaking at... point thing is going to be really cool. Okay. I want to see that the story mode, the yep, you know, yeah, yep. drive to survive thing going on. Yeah, Cody's have always been not too bad at that, which I haven't minded. But yeah, they did it all right in the V8, V8 Supercars game. Way, yeah, the, way, the way race back. driver series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah, there's be... no NASCAR games that do that well anymore. <laughs> the no. EA Sports games used to be really good. I will quickly get Braden to shout out where he can find people can find him, and I'll do me, and then we'll say goodbye and any final words. But go, Braden. Yeah. Go so as always, you can find me over at uh, twitch.tv slash the one D Wade. Um, it's actually starting to get some some people over there hanging out, which is really cool. I got to give a shout out to Buzzer underscore triple eight. He's been in a lot of streams lately, and uh, he came from the podcast from nowhere else. So that was pretty cool to see um and yeah if you want to hear me probably crying about one of my sports teams or something you can uh come check me out on twitter at Braden talks yeah definitely shout out to buzzer he was there for my um epic fail on thursday night which i, I almost rage quit the stream so thank you for hanging <laughs> around and, and the kind words you put in but you can find us at locked on lads on twitch Dot tv you can find us at locked on lads on facebook you'll find us the discord locked on lads.com slash discord you can definitely get in there also in the show notes if you want to join the discord sorry stig you're in the discord now uh it's going to be a bit <laughs> hectic but enjoy just show us your meat in one of the channels there that says show us your meat you'll be right <laughs> um thank you to clayton davies Simtography for sponsoring us as well he got two wins at um usa speedway on the weekend with uh, brady baldwin taking a win and must and not myself our team getting a win in race two uh so well done to him and thank you for helping us out as well go check him out on facebook cd simtography uh and other than that that's pretty much all the places you can find us and do stuff we'll go shield zone on twitter if you really want to find me but i'm not there at the moment but um thank you for everyone who who apps me every now and then Thank you so much, Stig. You've been awesome. And like I said, I could have talked for another three or four hours uh, just about NASCAR, but you're an absolute legend. And um, we will catch you sometime again soon. We'll get some more content happening with you. But yeah, good luck putting up with Daniel. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate it so much. No problems at all. Thank you. And we'll talk to you all later. Have a good one. Bye. Drive safe, drive fast. <laughs> <laughs>